Alrighty, what's up everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Two Minute Drill here presented by Deep Dive Sports. I got Dom, David, and myself on another episode here. We're going to jump right into it. Quarter one, guys. Recap time. We got Clemson versus Notre Dame. Um, in the sense of everything, this was kind of an upset. You had a 4-4 four and four Clemson team going against a 7-2 Notre Dame team. Um, Notre Dame still ranked after that loss somehow. Don't really know how that's possible. But Sam Hartman just with another lackluster game, two interceptions. Um, you look at the Clemson quarterback, really not much better of a game. He only had one interception, one touchdown, but only 109 yards. You know, the quarterback play in this game was was very minimal. I think, you know, Notre Dame has better quarterback play, and they definitely win this game. You know, I think the Clemson Tigers, in my opinion, uh, leaned on their running back core, but I'm just interested to see, you know, what you guys think about this game. I'll go ahead and start with Dom. I know he likes talking about his favorite team in Notre Dame. I mean, is there really anything to say? I, I, I'm i also baffled that this team is still ranked. They're now 7-3. and three. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure they, they're the... They are the only three loss team that's still ranked. Um, when is ESPN and the the ranking committee, whoever makes these rankings, like I don't understand why they're so biased towards Notre Dame. Like they got they got beat pretty well against Clemson. Like it, I know the the score suggested it was kind of close, but it it was it was bad. I don't understand how they're ranked. They shouldn't be. The only there there are two other. Three lost teams, LSU and Arizona. Oh, and then Kansas State is a three loss team at twenty five for the CFP rankings. Yeah, they're, at least. They're, they're all they're all in the in the twenties and low twenties, not sixteen. Yeah, well, Notre Dame's twentieth right now. So Notre Dame's twentieth. LSU sits at nineteen. Um, Arizona's at twenty first, and Kansas State's at twenty five. So, but I mean, they're they're above like a. Eight and one two lane team, you know what I mean? Not saying that two lanes like amazing, but still like it's just kind of like eight and one. You know, you yeah. you can only you can only beat who's in front of you on your schedule. I don't think we should really hold against two lane that's played really impressive football this year. Um mm-hmm. you know, North Carolina's seven and two, they've looked a lot better than Notre Dame has in a lot of their games and Iowa for their lack of offense <laughs> is still seven and two. I, I don't know. I'd, I'd almost rank them over Notre Dame. Yeah, it's very interesting. I, I think, uh, I don't know. I mean, you look at their losses. I mean, I guess in retrospect, other than the Clemson loss, it's not like they have really lost to bad opponents. I don't think right because they lost to Ohio State and then um, who else did they lose to? I forget. It's gonna bug me, but I I know they beat USC. Well, I'm bringing up their schedule. They lost to Ohio State, Louisville, and Clemson. Louisville's probably a bad loss too, but Louisville's not been playing awful. So I I don't know. It's very interesting. So yeah, I I feel like especially if they lose again, there's no way that they could be in the top twenty five of anything. But I mean, hey, like Dom says, they're they're always a little bit overrated and overhyped. So David, what's your opinion on this uh, Clemson Notre Dame game? I mean, outside of the rushing yards, you can't really say the defense ever really showed up Mm-mm. or the quarterback showed up. So I don't know what else to really add outside of the rushing game actually was solid. But outside of that, nothing else was there. Yeah. Very 
just like it, like they shouldn't have lost this game. You know what I mean? This is a team that barely lost to Ohio State. I know they have the Louisville loss, but you know that they come out with that big win against Clemson. Like this is definitely a game, or not Clemson at USC. This is definitely a game that that Notre Dame should win. And and I think uh, you know with all the hype that came around Sam Hartman joining this team as a transfer and having all that experience, I I don't think it's working for them the same way that like Michael Penix Jr. is working um, or Bo Nix is working, right? Like those guys are working for their programs, but Sam Hartman just really hasn't been, had the same effect on Notre Dame. And, you know, maybe part of that is talent, but I think also is that just Sam Hartman's really not that good of a quarterback. So I don't know. Let's go. Uh, next game that I put up here was the Washington versus USC game. Now I know that USC lost that drops then to, you know, seven and three, but, I think that a positive thing to look at this, it, well, depending on if you like him or not, but Caleb Williams did have a pretty decent game. You know, 312 yards, three passing touchdowns. He had a rushing touchdown. So, like, he, in all intents and purposes, had had a pretty good game this week. Definitely a bounce back from the past few weeks that we've seen him play. You know, he definitely had been struggling. Um, Michael Penix Jr., two touchdowns, one pick, 256 yards. Um he had one rushing touchdown as well. So he had a really good game as well, too. Um, they Washington definitely leaned on their run game. They, their running back had the same amount of rushing yards as Michael Penix Jr. had passing yards, um, and he had four rushing touchdowns. So, David, what's your opinion on this game? Um, well, defense n- never left the airfield. Um, but <laughs> Didn't even take off. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but great offensive game from both sides. Agreed with the Caleb Williams statement that whether or not you like the guy or not, uh, he definitely performed this past weekend. And uh, yeah, the rushing game just couldn't keep up. The USC rushing game, let me put it that way, couldn't just keep up with the Washington rushing game as clearly as you stated. Yeah. Dom, what you got? I don't think Caleb Williams played that great, to be honest with you. I just they they it was a high scoring game to be sure, but I still think that he's college football's Dak Prescott. <laughs> um, I don't know that, but, I, you, I just, but you can't you can't admit that like in a lot of a lot of these games would be would look a lot different if he had a, a defense that was even. 20% better than what it was like to to be fair I mean he didn't turn the ball over one time like his completion percentage was pretty good he threw for a crap ton of yards and he had four touchdowns four total touchdowns like that's that's a good game in all intents and purposes of what's going on now, I understand like he hasn't been playing very great and he says a lot of crazy shit but at the end of the day like he he played a good game against a, a good quality team that we kind of look at in a Washington Washington team being like hey this is a team that could win a national championship. You know what I mean? So if 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 they were able to recruit defensive talent, this is a game that I think they they might have had a good chance of winning. You know what I mean? So I don't know if you really put that on him of this loss. Now you could look at some of the other losses, especially the the Notre Dame loss, and be like, hey, that's your poor yeah, play. Yeah, I, I I'm not putting it all on him. But I don't know. I just think that his draft stock has taken a fall this year and I think he's overrated obviously he's gotten let down pretty significantly by the defense this year so the the loss isn't totally on him 
it's just I, I think this program and I think Caleb Williams is overrated. Yeah. I mean, listen, he regardless of how you feel about it, he's going number one. I mean, people people still view him highly. If he comes out of the draft, depends on who's number one, remember, because he wants to pretend to be a, a free agent with, you know, NFL experience and pick where he wants to go. Yeah, that's tough. He's gonna end up in Chicago. <laughs> that's no the way he the way it's going right now, he's gonna be going to Arizona. Yeah. I don't know. Well, Kyler Murray coming back, we'll we'll talk about that a little later, but you know, he might he might start winning them some games, so who knows? Um, I don't I think the new Call of Duty's already dropped, so he's had time to play that. So <laughs> but let's move into our, the NFL, a couple of NFL games I had up here on the recap section. It's uh Eagles Cowboys. Definitely a closer game than maybe what a lot of people thought. This might be Dak Prescott. Clean game, right? I know Dom says that Caleb Williams is the Dak Prescott of college football, but Dak Prescott pretty much had a similar game to Caleb Williams this past week, just not the rushing touchdown. Um, And then Jalen Hurts stays out of the turnover column. He has three total touchdowns as well, too. A little bit less yards. Eagles squeak one out there in the end. Um, Dom, what's your what's your thoughts on this game? I, I thought it was a great game. Obviously, the Cowboys and Dak Prescott fall short again. Um, they had a chance to to take it late, but Dak Prescott being Dak Prescott didn't come through. Um, I think the Eagles solidified themselves as the best team in the NFC. I think, like I've been saying for the past couple of weeks, I think this Eagles offense is going to start turning things around. And they've been playing better the last couple of weeks. I think A.J. Brown right now is playing like one of, if not the best wide receivers in football, but he's right up there with Tyreek Hill, to be honest with you. Um, the the season that, that he's having is incredible. I think we're really seeing this offense really start to take hold, and this defense has been playing pretty good up front. They've been playing really good up front all season, but we're starting to see that secondary start to play better as well. So, like I said before, it'll take some time, but we're starting to see things really come back into place for this team and they're starting to play like the team that we expected them to. Yeah. 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 I mean, Hey, like a win's a win. It's, you know, not always going to be pretty. And, and I think, uh, you, I, as much as people crap on the Cowboys, like they have a lot of talented players on that roster. It doesn't always work out the way I, I think the Cowboys are a lot like the chargers in which it doesn't matter how much talent they have on paper. They never seem to really be able to put it together, but, you know, I think this is a good quality win for for the Eagles and Jalen Hurts, you know, staying out of that turnover column um, and kind of getting back to playing clean football like we know he can. I, I think that's really what's going to help this team and, and propel them to more wins and, and maybe even a championship this year. David, what's your thought on this game? I mean, a Dallas Cowboys loss, a Dallas Cowboys loss is always a great thing, so mainly because I don't want to deal with the Dallas Cowboys fans in the playoffs and knowing how annoying they can be. There's that. But also, like you said, amazing overall game from both sides regardless, um, both rushing and uh, passing. None of the quarterbacks made a mistake. They all made their passes that they needed to. All right, all right. Let's go ahead and recap the last game here. It's Bills versus Bengals. This Bills team almost feels like it's it's pretty close or not. If it's not already starting, it's free fall. And, um, you know, this is a close game. It, it was a competitive game. I'm not going to say that 
you know, the Bengals like blew the Bills out, but it just it just felt like they really had the game in hand. You know, Joe Burrow, 348, two touchdowns, really kind of it was the catalyst for this game. He definitely seems like he's healthy and he's playing really good football right now. You know, Josh Allen just continues to have this. I think he's thrown an interception in his last nine games in a row, I think, or something like that. Saw some weird stat, or maybe it was nine interceptions this year or something like that in eight games. I don't know what it is, but I did see that he has like 69 total interceptions since he entered the league, and that's like the most since that point. So he clearly has the turnover bug, and you know when he turns the ball over, they don't have very good success. So, um, and we'll kind of get into you know him a little bit later in the the episode here, but you know just your initial thoughts here, guys, on this. Uh, this Bills versus Bengals game, David. I really regret not playing Joe Burrow this week in fantasy. So there's that, number one. Number two, um, I mean, it's, one interception can make all the difference in the world, especially if the game is, like, super close. It's like if you have, like, three touchdowns to one interception that's perfectly fine because the touchdowns over interceptions overrule um sorry the touchdowns overrule the interceptions sorry let me rephrase it that way um but he didn't do that so to me as a quarterback you need to make as few mistakes as possible preferably no mistakes at all so there is that. Outside of that, just a really good game overall. Yeah. Um, I can't feel your pain with fantasy football there, David. I uh, I started CJ Stroud. He got me 88 points. So, yeah, it's it a good week for me. <laughs> um, yeah, fun stuff. Um, Dom, what's your, uh, what's your thoughts on this game, man? Um, the Bengals are back, like I've been saying for a couple weeks now. Joe Burrow is fully healthy. The Bills, man, I I don't know. I, I had a feeling that they were going to have a down year going into the season. Everyone was was picking them to be one of the teams that come out of the AFC. And I, I was always kind of hesitant of that just because of how they've performed recently in the playoffs. I don't know. Josh Allen has moments where, he, like, his talent is unreal. But it's the turnovers, man. I I saw a stat watching the game that since like 2008, he's thrown more interceptions than any quarterback in the NFL. And it it's hard to win that way. You know, he'll have moments and he'll have games that just amaze you. But he also just has moments that really make you scratch your head. And it, I think it, it really can set the team back at times. Um, also, in terms of roster construction, outside of Stephon Diggs, and there's, there's really no reliable second target for him. And the defense could be hit and miss sometimes. I I, I really think that they're missing a solid running game and a reliable number two wide receiver. On the Bengals' side, I, I think, like I just said, they're fully back, and they're a team that can really be a problem for teams in the AFC. Let's go ahead and head into quarter two here, guys. College football. Listen, we I know we talked about what Air Force versus Navy a couple weeks ago, and you looked at Air Force, and Air Force was a team that uh, I think they were ranked 
22nd in the country or something at some point. Like this was a team that was rolling and they were winning. They were winning games against some teams pretty handily too. And, you know, you don't really, you don't really look at a, a service team like this as, as a team that is competitive like that. But, you know, like I said, against that Navy game, that was a little bit more close and a little bit more gritty than what it should be. I said, these guys always play each other super hard and air force got, got by army. You know what I mean? You, you look at a score at 23 to three and what's insane to me is like the army quarterback just ran the ball the whole time. <laughs> he only threw nine passes, completed four of them for 40 yards, but he carried the ball 36 times for 170 yards for two touchdowns. So he didn't even beat him through the air. And you know, the air force quarterback threw two picks, you know, no, nobody ran for more than 50 yards for them. So Clearly, their offense was stifled, and and they got beat by. I mean, we joke about Lamar Jackson being a running back, but it literally looks like stat wise that that Army just had a running back, a quarterback. So, you know, I guess I don't know if you guys got a chance to look at this game or maybe watch some highlights of it. But you know what happened to Air Force in this game against Army? I'll uh, kick it over to Dom first. Army for all their. Uh... I guess deficiencies as a football program. Um, they've traditionally run that option offense that really can throw some teams off. They're used to playing against a more traditional kind of offense, but yeah, I don't, I think it's hard to say because air force has been playing so well and for them to get beat the way that they did only put up three points. Um, I, I don't know other than just, they just got beat and they got beat pretty bad. Yeah. That, that, that option offense is giving people fits. I feel like, didn't we we played we played Army not too long ago? I'm talking about Ohio State, didn't we? And something I feel like I'll have it? to look it up, but I'm pretty sure that we did. Yeah, and I I do Here, feel like a couple years back. I, I don't do think feel, it was all that recent though. No, no, it's definitely been a minute. But I'm just saying, I think that we're remembering that game like that that off that option type offense gave us fits for like at least like the first half or something like that. So. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely different. I I can't remember when that was, but that's two thousand. Looks like two thousand seventeen. That's what. I, yeah, I was like, it can't. I mean, yeah, two thousand seventeen is like, I guess now is like forever ago, but it doesn't feel like yeah, ago. Uh, yeah. J T. Barrett was still quarterback. J K. Dobbins was still running back. That's crazy. Um, long time. Ohio State won thirty eight to seven. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. All right, let's go ahead and talk about uh. Dom's other favorite team here in Alabama that he loves to talk crap about. Um, I listen, I don't hate Alabama. I'm kind of indifferent on them, but <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Okay. But we have, but we have seen Alabama put together some nice wins here. I guess my question for you guys, like, does it feel like this Alabama team is, you know, rounding into form? And then seconds, you know, if they are to win out. Do you believe that there's a spot for them in the playoffs? David, I'll start with you. Um, I definitely think that this is the Alabama of old to some degree. Um, and what we can expect from a Nick Saban led team. Uh, as far as this game uh went, they didn't really disappoint me. Um even though the inner Ohio State fan would want 
me them would want me to say that they did dis uh disappoint their fan base. Um but as far as a win out situation, as long as they can show that they were they are the Alabama of old and not the Alabama of what they started out with, then yeah, you can make the argument for it. But I don't know if they can overcome the early struggles that they had. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's only one loss. You know, for me, this is a they what play is- Kentucky. Chattanooga and then Auburn. All three are very winnable games. And then you just got to go beat Georgia in the SEC championship game. I, I know it's easier said than done, but I do feel like they're they're in a good spot right now. You know, their quarterback's playing good enough football. I think the talents, it may not be the same as it has been in the past, but I do think the talent's there. And I don't know. I, I think if you if you beat the the number two team in the country right now. There's at least a conversation with only one loss of, of being in the playoffs, I feel like. But I don't know. Dom, what do you think? I mean, if they went out and they beat Georgia in the SEC championship game, it's guaranteed that they're going to make the playoffs. It's not even going to be a conversation. Yeah. Um, you know, they're they're sitting at, at eight right now, but they control their own destiny. If they went out, which they likely will, um, I think the only semi-losable game is – um, the, the Iron Bowl, uh, they're going to Auburn this year. That's always going to yeah. be a pretty tough game. Um, other than that, I see them winning out, and their only competition is going to be Georgia. And, you know, we'll see how long Brock Bowers is out, but Georgia looks pretty vulnerable. Um, so, yeah, I, you can make a, a good argument for Alabama making the playoffs. Yeah. I do agree. I think they went out, they beat Georgia. I just don't see how you leave them out of the fourteen playoff. You know, I think. And even then, I, I still think Georgia will make it. Even though they'll lose the SEC championship game, I still think that a, a one-loss Alabama would make the playoffs. Or a one-loss uh, Georgia would make the playoffs. I mean, but who do you leave out then? I mean, like, if if like I guess if Washington wins out, then, then they're in there. But what happens if if you know Oregon and Washington so, play, what happens if Oregon and Washington play each other in the, you know the was it the Pac-12 the Pac-12 championship game, then they both they both have one loss. You know who do you no or keep out? If, it depends on how the situations play out. But if Oregon and Washington play and Washington wins, Oregon would have two losses and they won't make it. What's what I'm saying? What if Oregon beats Washington? They both have one loss, so they both have one loss. Then you got throw Georgia, in Michigan. And then, then you. Alabama and Georgia both have one loss. And then let's say that, you know, either either Ohio State or Michigan are going to lose that game. So one of those guys is going to be undefeated. So then who who are you leaving out of that conversation? Because somebody's going to get left out. You know what I mean? Right. And that's like – and then but you also I mean, it, have, it depends, you have Florida State. It depends State on how well the, the season plays out. Um, now, there, there's a lot of what-if scenarios, but if the team that's probably going to get left out is Florida State if they were to win out. That's just crazy. looking off of just looking off uh, off a strength of schedule. Yeah, um, I mean, I think I think that, that perfect... seems to be taken pretty highly this year. Yeah, is who have you beaten? I th- I think in a perfect world, Florida State wins out, Georgia wins out, and Washington wins out, and then you don't really have a question. And then the only the only question mark is Ohio State or Michigan, whoever wins that game at the end of the year. 
You know what I mean? Like, I think, I think that's really where, where it's going to, that's, it's going to be the easiest decision, but somebody, like I said, somebody's going to get left out and that's the, that's the unfortunate part, but that's why they're going to a 12 team playoff next year. Cause then none of those guys would be left out. They'd all be in regardless. So I don't know. Very interesting. Let's know what you guys think at home about Alabama. I know as like I said before, as, as Ohio state fans, it's not really like we want them to be successful, but as football fans, we have to look at things a little bit more uh, unbiased and, and kind of have that conversation. So, um, but as Ohio state fans, I believe they're still number one in the CFP rankings this week. Last week, they were, you know, number one in the first one. This Rutgers game, not that Rutgers is is an awful team, but it just kind of feels like, yes, we've had some quality wins, but it just feels like we really struggle with games in the first half. And then we're able to turn it on enough in the second half to make it look like, you know what I mean, a game that we had in hand more than we did. But I guess my question to you guys is, you know, did Ohio State kind of disappoint after being named the number one team in the country? Like, we kind of had a hard time handling Rutgers, but you look at a team like Washington and USC that had a really good game. You look at a team like Alabama that handled the LSU team, like, you know, Michigan with everything that they're going on, they still kind of ran over their opponent and they look like they've pretty much run over everybody that they've played this year. Now, do they have their signs? We don't know, but like at the end of the day, still they look the part. So again, did did they disappoint after being named number one, guys? I'll uh, kick it over to Dom. I, I really am kind of annoyed by the consistent wording of these Ohio State questions. Like just because they're not beating Rutgers who is a six and three team now, by the way, they're not like the, the one win Rutgers teams that we used to beat up on. They're a respectable team this year. And just because we're not beating every opponent 73 to nothing, doesn't mean that they're having disappointing games. Like we still won 35 to 16 and look pretty good doing it. You know, um, Rutgers had that, that one trick play where they went for 45 yards. But other than that, you know, they, they really didn't do much the rest of the game. So, I, and your point about Michigan, whoop-de-doo, they beat Purdue 41-13. They beat Michigan State 48 to nothing. They still haven't played any ranked opponent this whole season. And they will for the first time this coming week against Penn State. So I wouldn't say that they looked the part at all. Like just because they beat up on East Carolina, UNLV, and Bowling Green, you know, doesn't really – Speak to why, them why as did they as, play Bowling Green. That's ridiculous. I don't understand. I mean, it. Ohio State's played Mac schools in the past. I know, too. but so I mean, stupid. but still, oh, to my to my point, like just because Kyle McCord is not the Heisman front runner, then just because we're not winning games by fifty point margins every week, doesn't mean that these performances are disappointing. You're the number one team of the country. You're. Defense is one of, if not the best in college football. You still have a very good offense. So I, I I don't understand the narrative of, oh, wow, this team is disappointing. Like I, I get as Ohio State fans, we're used to a team that's a championship contender every year. And we're used to C.J. Stroud and Braxton Miller and J.T. Barrett. And like we're used to those players and their high performance. But – are we really that arrogant of college football fans where 
just because they beat a six and at the time six and two Rutgers team 35 16 that they're disappointing yeah like it it it, it really annoys me and don't get me wrong I love Ohio State I want them to win a championship every year but this narrative of you know them being disappointing this year is really pissing me off yeah no I agree I I put this up here because it just felt like that was what was circulating in 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 the media and stuff and I don't know. Like I, I don't, I don't agree that it was disappointing. You know, I don't think Kyle McCord has played at the level of some of those other quarterbacks this year. But it's his first year starting. Like I think C.J. Stroud's first year starting. We we had questions about him too. You know what I mean? And clearly, you know, we've kind of seen what he's been able to turn into in the NFL. And I'm not saying Kyle McCord is going to do that, but you know, I think that we do have to, yeah. we do have to kind of look at everything and be like, hey, like. You know, we are winning games and we do have quality wins over a Penn State team that is a good team. We do have quality wins over a Notre Dame team that has kind of been up and down this season. But in all intents and purposes, they've played some good football this year. So, like, yes, yeah, strength. And, Go ahead. You know, you mentioned Common Court not having a great year, but not having a bad year. I'm looking at a stats now. We have 17 touchdowns and four interceptions with a 160 passer rating. And he's completed 65% of his passes. You know, he's he's having a good year, but just because he's not putting up, you know, 50 touchdowns a year like um, like we've seen in the past, you know, this team's still having a very good season. They're the number one team in the country for a reason. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I agree with I agree with the defense. I, I do think that offensively, I think they've started to figure things out. I think, you know, Travion mm-hmm. Henderson being healthy, that helps the run game. Um I, I do think Kyle McCord has room to grow, but like, I, I don't know. I, I agree. I don't. I don't think that this is a disappointing win. I just think that they there there is some good quality teams in the Big Ten right now, and and every year you you go through the Big Ten, and there's some there's there's a multitude of schools that have been together. Their group has been together for a, you know three or four years. So when they come out and they play you like they have a lot of juniors and seniors on that squad to where you look at, you're like, okay, they've played together for a long time. Like, um, and I, I forget the coach's name of Rutgers and stuff like that, but he's doing a pretty good job of building that program there um, and making it pretty competitive. So I don't know, David, what's your, uh, what's your thought on this? I think that if you're able to win big games and important games, I think that you deserve to be the number one team. You don't have to have the flashiest, the most fantastic quarterback in the room as long as, one, your quarterback makes his throws and makes very little and preferably no mistakes at all, like I mentioned before. Second thing, your running game is pretty much strong in any way, shape, or form that you can present it. Thirdly, you have a really good defense. If you have those three things and they're actually doing a good job, then you're going to be the number one team regardless, as long as you can keep winning those important games. So it, it at that point, it's just a matter of winning, which they have. Yes, Tom. Well, I would say uh, another point, like what we're seeing now is talent really being spread out across college football. It talents not being consolidated between Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, 
and maybe one or two other schools, you know, with, with NIL and all the restructuring of conferences, we're seeing talent really start to be spread out to teams that, you know, we're not really used to seeing be that competitive. And guys are going to those teams now because, you know, they don't want to sit behind a quarterback for three years and then start for one and try to go to the NFL. They want to play as soon as possible. And they also want to go where they can make a name for themselves and get that NIL money. So you're seeing, you know, quality players go to teams that they wouldn't have necessarily gone to in the past. And I think we're really seeing the benefit of that and looking at a lot of the rankings. I mean, when was the last time you could remember, you know, uh, you know, teams ranked one through 10, or maybe even one through nine as being teams that are legit playoff contenders. You know, it's, it's usually yeah. by now the the top four is already kind of sorted out. And the only question left being is the Ohio state Michigan game, you know, yeah. but and we, it, I think, I think it's really good for college football and, you know, it goes to my point about Ohio state before, like just because they're not as dominant and winning by 50 points as they used to, doesn't mean that they're not a good team. You're not really going to see teams like that anymore because talent's being spread out more evenly. No. Yeah. I 100% agree. I mean, we've had this conversation in the past about NIL, like, and how it's going to spread the talent around college football and in the transfer portal, especially like them opening that up to you get one free transfer pretty much is huge because these kids make this decision. They go to this program and it may not turn out to be what they want. Or like Dom said, they, they have to go sit there and they're like, I'm not going to sit here for three years until I can start. Screw it. Like, yes, it's Alabama, but dang, I'll go play for Ole Miss or something like that. Or I'll go play for Texas A&M instead, or I'll go play for Rutgers instead. You know what I mean? It, and I'll get playing time. I'll get the NIL money. Like that's what it's going to be. So I know it'd be interesting. Like, yeah, I don't, I think I was listening to to, uh, the sports talk radio station around here and they were saying that there really isn't a great team in college football this year. Like there's a bunch of good teams. There's a bunch of teams that are playing really good football, but there's not like a team that you look at and you're like, wow, that is definitely the national championship team. You know what I mean? I think everybody is beatable. Everybody has talent. You know, when we talk about, the top 10, maybe even top 15 teams where you look at, you can be like, if you guys had to play each other, like who who's really coming out of this with the, with the chip. And there is probably a good amount of teams that you could be like, well, if you go on a run and you play the, you play the right football, you might be able to walk away with it. And I don't think we've really been able to say that in a long time, like Dom said. So it's very interesting. Something we'll keep track of. And, yeah, I do think as Ohio State fans, we have to stop this narrative of we have to blow everybody out. That's not necessarily what it is anymore. I think uh, I think we have to be okay winning these games, and 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 that's it. You know what I mean? We're not always going to get the most talented guys. And I mean, look at Georgia; they won two championships with Stetson Bennett. And I don't think Stetson Bennett really was lighting the world on fire. He was just playing good football and and clean football. So, and that's really all that matters. Like David said. So let's go ahead and move into quarter three, guys. Current topics in the NFL. We'll knock these out real quick. Listen, if you guys don't know who Josh Dobbs is at this point, you're living under a rock. This man, yes, 
the Cardinals are one and seven, but I think the only reason any of those games were competitive were because of the way he played. And he ended up getting traded to the Vikings at the trade deadline. And basically before the game, he is going over his cadences with the offensive line. He walks in there and that offense is clicking and he leads basically the game winning drive and wins the game. So, you know, I know I put this question up a couple weeks ago about, you know, comparing him to like Geno Smith and this this path of like this veteran quarterback that's been in the league for a little bit and they just kind of find the right spot and it fits. You know, how impressed are you guys with Josh Dobbs and, and the way that he's been able to really be this, I don't know if I want to call him the the Swiss Army knife of quarterbacks in the NFL this year, but I do feel like people have just been able to plug and play him in their system and and he's been able to be successful but you know i'll kick it over to david here first just how impressed have you been with josh dobbs i think i've i've been very impressed with him even though he was on the one and seven arizona cardinals he he did the best he could with what he had and then he goes on to a decent rather somewhat broken Minnesota Vikings team by broken. I mean, like they've had some health issues. I mean, let me, let me clarify that real quick. So there is that, but he came into a system that allowed him to continue to grow and perform the way that he did. So, and it seems like he's connecting with his teammates too. So maybe I was a little bit harsh on the Minnesota Vikings last week, but who knows? We'll have to wait and see. Like I've said multiple times this year, it's just one game. Let's see how the rest of the season plays out. But if the rest of the season is like this game, I think we're looking at the Minnesota Vikings making the playoffs again. All right. Uh, Dom, how impressed have you been with Josh Dobbs, you know, this far into the season and what he's been able to do? I I agree with David. I think we need to calm down a little bit. Uh, he's played well. He played okay with Arizona. Um, I think he did the best that he could with the team that he had. I think he benefited from kind of just being able to play loose and go through, a, I guess, a more simplified playbook being that he's only been with the Vikings for four days and um, the opponent really didn't have any footage of him. So, I mean, they, they weren't preparing for Josh Dobbs to be the starting quarterback, but he did play really well. I, I kind of praised the move last week as a move to really keep them in, in playoff contention. And I think that he's capable of steadying the ship. I have to see performances like this more consistently for a longer period of time other than you know, one game or, you know, a couple games here and there. To this point, I think he's a really good backup that can come in and play well for a couple games and kind of keep your season afloat. But I don't know at this point, I'm not saying that he can't become this, but I don't know if he's a starting caliber quarterback just yet. Though I do hope that he can get to that point. I like Josh Jobs. I think he's a great person. And, you know, there's obviously talent there. But at this point, I think he's a very, very good backup. Do I think that he's like a franchise guy? No. But do I think he could be very much a Geno Smith bridge quarterback guy? Like, I don't think we look at Geno Smith as a franchise quarterback kind of guy. 
But I just feel like you guys are not really you're underselling him a lot. Like you're not really giving him any of the credit that he deserves. I mean, he's thrown for 1700 yards, 10 touchdowns, five interceptions on the season. Like he's having a very comparable season to a lot of the starting quarterbacks that are in the league. And we've all sat here and been like, yeah, especially with what he has to work with in Arizona, him being able to keep those games competitive. And then for him to be able to come into this game with virtually no prep with this offense, with this team and come in and kind of, just tear apart a Falcons team that I'm not going to say is great, but it's not like they've been playing awful football. And for him to virtually only miss 10 of his passes, throw two touchdowns, run for another one, his average yards per carry was 9.4. Like this dude is virtually saving the Viking season. And I just, I feel like, yes, of course, we always want to see more before we label somebody something, but like we've seen him half the season. He's played great football, especially with what he had to deal with in Arizona. And now he comes into the Vikings and he's able to, to do what he did. And what, in a couple weeks, he's going to get Justin Jefferson back. I mean, I'm not saying he's Kirk Cousins, but like shit guys, like, come on. You got to give him a little bit more credit than than what you're giving him. Like, he's- I, I think you're you're blowing this a little out of proportion here. I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong. I said he he played well, but it's only been half a season, and the guys you're comparing him to are guys that have been starters for years. He's only been a starting quarterback for half a season, and right now he's 20th in passing yards and 23rd in QBR. So while he played really well this week, we haven't seen him play for a full season. This is his first time really as a consistent starting quarterback. And it's only been half a year. So again, yes, he played really well. I think he's going to play decent for the rest of the season. But we haven't seen him play. If he plays like this for one to two more years, then yeah, I would agree. He could be a Geno Smith kind of quarterback. He He's not that old. He's, he's, he's a lot younger than Geno Smith, but we have to see these kind of performances for a longer period of time before we just start saying, oh, he can, he's the next Geno Smith. He, he could be a really good bridge quarterback. We haven't seen him even play a full season. Well, we haven't, we haven't even seen like, we, you don't, you don't see half of these guys who come into the league and play a full season. They're already labeled like CJ Stroud's already labeled the next great quarterback in the NFL. He's played half a freaking season. That's, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like that. this, this, but this we, argument think, of think not being just able to overall, see, Overall, I think we're too quick to label people anything when it comes to the NFL. We're, we're too quick to label players bust. We're too quick to label players as the next great NFL quarterback. We're too quick to label players anything. I think we need to wait and see how the rest of the season goes before we really start labeling Josh Jobs anything. But it's not even – I didn't even ask you to label him. I said, are you impressed with what he's done so far? It's a simple question. Yeah, me and David both said yes. Yeah, that's what we said. We, we literally both said we're we're impressed with how we played, but let's see him do this more consistently. I know, but I just don't I don't like I said, it was the the narrative of like that you guys were just kind of like, ah, whatever. Like, I mean, this is no, a guy it was not uh whatever. It's it, it, it was, was hey, we're impressed, but let's see him continue to play well before we say that he can be a starting, you know, caliber quarterback. But has he not already proven that he can start? I mean, he's literally 
he's literally he's proven played... that he can play half a season pretty well and be a guy that can steady the ship. He's a but he's, he's 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 a guy that was traded for and brought into Arizona to be their starting quarterback. And basically, like, no, they didn't win very many games. But like I said, the only we can all sit here and agree the only reason they were competitive in any of those games they played were because of him. If he's not there, they're getting blown out. And then he goes to the Vikings and he wins that game with no prep, nothing at all. Like, I I just don't I don't understand. Like Baker Mayfield came into a game last year with no prep, nothing at all and and lit up the the box score with the Rams. On top of that, Jacoby Brissett. But Baker Mayfield's playing pretty well, too. Hold on. I'm not saying that he's not. Brissett can play half a season and still look like a starting quarterback. Then you get the rest of the half of the season where you can craft the bed and look right. like nothing more than a backup quarterback. Yeah, through through 10 games last year, was anyone really saying that Jacoby Brissett can be a Geno Smith? Yeah, but I don't think anybody at the beginning of the season was looking at Jacoby Brissett and being like, oh my God, he's lighting the world on fire. Like, that's not... He, he for... For 10 weeks, he put up top 10 quarterback numbers. He put up better numbers than Josh Dobbs has had. And no one changed the narrative on Jacoby Brissett saying, oh, he could be a starting caliber bridge quarterback for a team. I don't know. I just Again, don't... I, I think Josh Dobbs, he, he's what, 20, 25? Or he's 28. So he's still pretty young. Let's see how the rest of the season goes. We'll see where he lands in the offseason. Because he's going to be a free agent, and let's let's wait and see. But also, labeling him a very very good backup is not really an insult, because backup quarterbacks, as we're seeing how starting quarterbacks are dropping like flies this year, you you know a very good backup quarterback is going to be valuable to a team. And you know, I don't know if he can play very well throughout a whole season, but he's proven that he can come in for you know seven eight games it was just it i just don't i don't feel it as like i feel like you're very underselling what he's been able to do so far and for him to walk into the situation that he just walked into and dominate the way that he did it just it's just kind of a little disrespectful not to be like okay you're you're a dude and like and he may fall flat. Just, just and because that's fine. just because he played really well in one game doesn't make you a dude. Do it consistently. Was Josh McDaniels really this bad as a head coach that they just hated this man so much that he just came out and decided to destroy the Giants, or were the Giants just this bad that this game that that that's the reason that the the, the Raiders won this bad, uh, Dom? Uh, both. Um, the Giants, the Giants, the Giants were bad going into this game. Um, Daniel Jones probably shouldn't have started coming off of his injury, and now, well, he's done for the year. Um, the Giants are a bad team, but the Raiders were also highly motivated. Um, there were reports like earlier in the season that there were guys that thought Antonio Pierce should be the the head coach of the team, and you know we all know. Josh McDaniels' history, we know that guys weren't happy. And he seems to to have the opposite effect of empowering players and motivating guys. Um, he seems to suck the life out of a, a locker room, and guys don't like playing for him. And now they have a guy that the team can rally behind, and, you know, they're playing hard. I mean, the, 
there was more effort and energy out of this Raiders team this past week than they've seen, than we've really seen the last two years under Josh McDaniels. So, you know, I, I think, you know, there, there's still enough time in the season for them to kind of turn things around. I don't know if they'll make the playoffs. I, at this point, I doubt that they will. But I, th- I think they're going to be competitive the rest of the season. All right, uh, David. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I just hate that it's against the the Giants where they they proved it because I think that's how bad the Giants are this year. And um, if they had done this to another team that was maybe not as bad as the Giants, but a decent team that's playing this year and is somewhat competitive, then yeah, that would have would have sealed the deal for me. But I do think it's both. I do think McDaniels, there's a reason why McDaniels does not last as a a head coach. And he's doing it to himself more than anything. Like I, I remember watching clips from the Pat McAfee show and they were talking about the earliest exits of head coaches it's like they they'll give like the years that they had played or had were the head coach like let's say uh and then they showed the earliest or they then they showed the amount of games that they had coached in this that very season when they got let go and he was up there so well i mean looking at he he had what a four year contract in denver and made it what one and a half years, two years. He's he's and they gave him a six year deal. The the Raiders gave him a six year deal and he coached two. So really he's been contracted to coach for eight years and he's coached a little less than half of the time that he was contracted to coach for. I think that really speaks volumes to how quickly he he wears out his welcome with any organization. And I think at this point, I don't think he's ever going to get a head coaching job again. Yeah, he'll get another one. I mean, unfortunately, the NFL. No, I, is next like year, that. he'll he'll go running back to uh, Danny Bill Belichick and take his head uh, his offensive coordinator job back. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I listen. I I don't think I think he'll get another offensive coordinator job right away, or he'll get another job on a football team right away. But I mean, you time time is time, right? you give them another five or six seasons or something like that. Somebody needs a head coach. Like, unfortunately, no, like, I... unfortunately teams, that's, that's, that's all teams do. They don't, they don't view, they don't actually, they're not actually able to pinpoint the actual talent, right? Like you look at a guy that is there now and, and a lot of people, like you said, felt like that he should have been the head coach and, and really, honestly, like as important as it is to understand the X's and O's and understand the, the flow of the game, like if you're not good at leading, then you're not good at leading and you're not going to be able to galvanize the people around you. So like, yes, which is why I don't think he's going to get a head coaching job. Again. He, but I, he but I'm not I'm not I can't I can't say that he's not because we've we've seen people get chance after chance after chance after chance. And it's just because a team views him as like, Oh, like maybe to work out this time, maybe to work out with this person. And then like, I do think, I do think eventually down the line, he's going to get a third opportunity. And I I think if that fails then he won't get another one, but 
I, I don't know. I mean, I just, like I said, I think teams have to do a better job of of identifying not necessarily like the smartest guy or the person who can be a, a coordinator as well, too. They need to identify the people who are great leaders. Um, and if, if that person is a great leader and also a great play caller, whether that's on defense or offense, then awesome. You got a bonus. But if you can't if you can't lead the men that are in the locker room, then you're going to lose the locker room. And if you can't galvanize those guys to to play above the level that they're playing, then then I, I, I just don't think that that you should really be in that position. I mean, you really look at the Lions and look at what Dan Campbell has done there. I don't think that there's another there's not very many coaches that go into that situation and are able to do the same thing. You look at uh, was it D'Amico Ryans with the Texans like, like th- we'll talk about this team in a little bit but I mean CJ Stroud is playing out of his mind. I think a lot of that is is him but but also the rest of that team is is playing pretty well and and we didn't really think that this would be a competitive team this year. So you just well, you kind of you you look at these head coaches that are really good leaders of men and I think that 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 helps in these situations. And in this situation, you look at a team that really hated the guy that was leading them. And I think the Giants just unfortunately, they're struggling and they ran into a Raiders team that was really looking to, like David said, prove people that they uh, that they could play hard and they could win games. And I think, like you both said, it's just a combination of both in, in this situation. But any final thoughts on it? Yeah, I think, you know, this is now the second time the um, the owner of the Raiders didn't listen to the guys in the locker room, the you know, the players on the team, and kept who they wanted as head coach and, you know, let them go and hired his own guy. I think teams need to really take into account the opinions of the guys in the locker room. Because like you said, it's one thing to know the game and the X's and O's, but it's one thing to actually be a leader. And, you know, I think these these owners need to stop hiring guys that kind of kiss their ass a little bit and, you know, play well for the owners, but don't really know how to how to handle a locker room. And I think that I I think the leadership aspect of coaching is the most important part because you can delegate to your your offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator to really handle the X's and O's. Um, you know, we're seeing a lot of coaches now call their own plays on offense, but really you can delegate that if you needed to. Your job is to oversee everything and manage the locker room and motivate the guys. And if, if you can't do that, then you're not going to be a good head coach. So I think teams need to take into account the the opinions of the players that are going to be in that locker room. Yeah, it can't hurt. I mean, I get maybe why they wouldn't because not a lot of the, the not everybody sticks with the teams for a long time, but I do think yeah, but I like the Gardner, guys that are under contract for a long time, like in the Raiders situation, Max Crosby, or um, you know, I, I think Josh Jacobs signed it signed an yeah. extension. The the star guys that are going to be there for a long time that know the ins and outs of of the locker room. Yeah, and like I was, trying you know, to I'm get not to saying have them make the final decisions, but their opinions need to be taken into account. Okay. And like I was trying to get to with my point before I was interrupted, like, yes, I, I agree with a lot of those things of like, I, I I see both sides, right? Like I was saying before, I don't think that you can necessarily be like, oh, I'm going to take this 100% what the guys say in the locker room. But I do think it's a good baseline of being like, hey, you know, who have you dealt with in the past? Who do we have in this locker room right now, coaching wise? Like, 
how do you view them? How is their leadership style? Like, you know what I mean? And you can take that into account when you make their decision. I do think it's a, it's a very good practice. I think a lot of, a lot of leaders should do that. They should go, you know, down to that base level and really talk to people and really get to understand how they feel and, and how they view people. And, and that, that, that should not necessarily like make their decision, but I think it should add to what they're already considering when making a coaching hire or putting somebody in a position of leadership. I think it's a, it's a great practice to do so. So, um, sticking with the giants though, guys, like obviously Daniel Jones is out for the rest of the season. Now, you know, what, what does their future really look like? They have too much money tied into Daniel Jones. Like it it doesn't really seem like this team is, I don't know. They have pieces, but they're just not there. So what, what does this team do for the future, Dom? Um, I think you're going to have a top five pick. I don't think they're going to win a game the rest of the season. So you may even have a top three pick. You have to go quarterback. I don't, I don't think it matters how much money you have tied up to Daniel Jones, because I think there was going to be an opt out at the end of this season or out of his contract at the end of next season anyways. So draft a quarterback, eat the dead money for a year. It's not going to be a debilitating amount considering that they're going to have a lot of cap space anyways. So you can handle the dead money for a year, draft your guy for the future, and probably trade Saquon and really start to to rebuild this team. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. Maybe clean house in the offseason and draft a quarterback if you're if you're in a good enough spot. I don't know. It, it's just it's a tough spot for them. Like if they're not in a good spot to get a, a top end QB, it's almost like what do you do? You know, what do you do with Daniel Jones? I don't know. David? What do you think? I think that they just clean house at this point. I think that they realize that they they screwed up. They they messed up really bad. And I think that they're one of the few NFL teams that can afford to go out and just drop everything because they're in that large of a market that they can afford to go do that. Yeah, if if I'm ownership, I'm doing a lot of what um, you know, Davis did with with Las Vegas, and I'm a uh, I'm cleaning house everything, general manager, coaching staff, they're all gone. You're all a bunch of ding dongs. Whoever whoever made the decision to give Daniel Jones the contract should be gone. If it was the owner, sell the team. You're a ding dong. Like I can't I can't deal with you on this. Like the dude should have never gotten the contract that he got. And if he was threatening to walk in free agency, good. You would have been better off with, I would be like almost anybody else. Like I can't, he's garbage. My next question would have been, well, one, I I don't, I wouldn't fire Brian Dable because you look at what he did with Josh Allen and what he turned him into. Also, he, he got them to the playoffs last year. So I don't think Brian Dable is a complete loss at head coach. I agree the general manager needs to go. But also going into last year, what did you want them to do? Because look at the the quarterbacks that were available. I mean, you wanted them to sign Jimmy G. Would they have been better off at, with Jimmy G at quarterback? You know, who who else would you have wanted them to go out and sign? And then looking at the draft, they drafted at twenty four. By then, you know, it, 
I think Kenny Pickett was already off the board. I mean, who who would you have wanted them to draft? It wasn't that high of a well, Kenny Pickett that great already, of a QB class. Kenny so was like, already in the league. This 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 the draft that they would have been in would have been the CJ Stroud Bryce Young draft. Yeah. So like what will? Oh yeah. So CJ Stroud went went number two. You know who there, who else would you have wanted them to draft? Because no other quarterback went in the first round. Well, I mean, Will Levis. They could have taken Will Levis. Will Levis would have been have, would have been played way better than what Daniel Jones is playing right now. Like, well, we don't. Uh, do we know that? I don't know, but I mean, I I feel like maybe at at this point, like if you if you were to say, hey, Daniel Jones, but I guess my point is like, you don't give that man forty five million dollars a year. That's insane. That's no, I I agree with that. They that's they crazy. Paid. Yes, I they mean, listen. If you paid, but... if you if you bring him back, cool, awesome, whatever. I'm 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 not necessarily upset that they brought him back because I I can recognize like, hey, who else do you go get? Like, I don't think that they knew that Josh Dobbs was going to be a viable you know bridge guy for the year for a team. I don't think I think you know the Raiders thought that Jimmy Garoppolo was going to be better, and he didn't want to go play in New York with that team. I think he wanted to go play with Devonte Adams, right? So like. I don't think that they were ever going to get Jimmy G like they weren't in the Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes, even though maybe they might've want to thought about it. But again, then that would have been a completely wash anyway, because of everything that happened. But like, I just, I, I don't know. I just, I think the decision to give him that much money, I would have let him hit the open market because to be completely honest, I don't really think there is a team that, that gives him that amount of money. And I think if like, the Giants go like, hey, 45 is a lot, but we'd be willing to give you 30, 30 for three years, and you come in and prove it. And then if after two years you improve and you get better and you prove it, then then we'll we'll certainly extend you and we'll give you a crap ton of money. We'll back up the the Brinks truck for you. You know what I mean? But like to to do that, to to give him that kind of money and to handicap your team salary cap wise by basically paying him that much money you've you've kind of you've backed yourself into a corner now where like you said Don they have they have to basically eat this contract for the next couple of years whether or not they play him or not so w- what are you really accomplishing so yeah like at the end of the day Brian Dable good coach like I, I don't think he's awful but you got you got to tear it down to the studs whether it's the roster whether leadership has to go I don't know but the decision to give him the contract and bring him back. I would have almost rather said, oh, this next season's a wash. Let's let's in the offseason, let's just go, let's just trade everybody, break it down, and then go try to get a quarterback in this next year's draft. Like, then give him that kind of money and basically be like, oh, we're going to be bottom or mediocre for the next four years. Because that's basically what you're going to do. You're going to be a mediocre team for the next four years. And if that's what you want to be, then that's fine. But to me, that doesn't make any sense. If they were to cut Daniel Jones post with a post June one designation, his dead cap would be thirty two million dollars. So that, I mean, yes, that's significant, but we've we've seen teams take on more dead cap for players before. Yeah. So I mean, it's not. But is not that, is that just cost. is that just for this year, or is that for multiple years though? Um, over the cap only gives. Well, I can look at twenty twenty four. Um, twenty twenty four would be twenty two million dollars if he's cut post June one and then um he pretty much come off the books. 
Because 2024 is the last year of guaranteed money. I don't know. I mean, yes, I get it. Like, it's just, it's a tough situation. I don't know. Let us know what you guys think at home. We'll move on from this topic. We could probably talk about it a bunch and a bunch and a bunch. But um, let's go ahead and move on to the the next topic here about the Texans, right, guys? Like, um, CJ Stroud having a really good season. I think we've all kind of agreed that at this point, it's his race to lose in the rookie of the year conversation. This field goal didn't win the game for them, but basically their kicker got hurt and they had a running back kick a field goal for them in this game and they were still able to win. So, you know, it just kind of feels like this team is really being motivated and pushed. It it, it really reminds me of, you know, the the first year Dan Campbell Lions and, and how he was kind of able to galvanize galvan I can't even talk. Galvanize those guys to play at a at a higher level than, you know, maybe what what we thought that they could play at. But in your guys' opinion, from what you've seen so far in this season, do you think the Texans are are a playoff team this year? David? Uh, possibly, but in all honesty, no. Um, if they do, amazing, great, awesome. I have been proven wrong. Um, but in all honesty, I don't think that they'll make it. Um, and I honestly think the field goal made by a rookie by a running back is absolutely phenomenal. So, but if I'm guessing, no, but I would love to see it. All right, Dom. I'm kind of on the fence just because while I'm impressed, I'm, you know, I've talked about it before. I'm really impressed with how this team has played this year. Um, I, I think their path to the playoffs would have to go through the wild card because I think the Jaguars are going to win this division. But looking at, you know, the AFC standings right now, you know, they're behind the Bills who have kind of fallen off, but I think that they're, they'll play better down the stretch. You have the Bengals that are on fire. The Browns, you know, with the healthy Deshaun Watson now, we'll see what they can be, but they're looking like a, a competitive team. The Steelers, who are 5-3, and three, the Dolphins, the Jaguars, Ravens, and Chiefs. Out of these teams, you know, if Deshaun Watson gets hurt again, the Browns will fall off. I don't think that they'll make the playoffs. But if Sean Watson stays healthy, Joe Burrows figured things out with the Bengals, I think that they're going to fly up the rankings. The only team that I can really see the AFC right now that can fall off would be the Bills or the Steelers. You know, the Steelers have a great defense, but their offense, as we all know, leaves much to be desired. And looking at their schedule down the stretch, looking at the Steelers' schedule, they have a pretty tough schedule down the stretch with the Browns, Browns and Bengals, both away games. Then their last four games of the season are at the Colts, first the Bengals, then the Seahawks, then the Ravens. So that's a tough, especially those last three weeks. Those are a rough final three weeks of the season. So, you know, we'll see if this Steelers offense is able to some things together, but I don't really see a way for the Texans to to kind of make it in the wild card. Yeah, I mean, the Texans schedule isn't awful, though. I mean, they play the Bengals this week. We'll talk about that game a little bit later. I don't know if that's necessarily a winnable game, but it definitely it feels like a, a drop game by the Bengals, but I do think the Bengals win that game. But then they, they got to play the Cardinals. That's that's a winnable game. That leaves them at 5-5. Five and five. They got to play the Jaguars. They're at home. I know the Jaguars have been playing pretty well, but that does kind of feel like a winnable game for them. Like, I don't think the Jaguars are invincible. Like they're not invincible, but they're still really good. 
it's tough. Like that, that's that's a tough one. If we want to be realistic, we'll put it in the loss column. But then they play the Broncos, the Jets, and the Titans three games in a row. I feel like that's three wins in a row. That puts them at what eight and eight and six. You know what I mean? So we're looking at that. Then they got to play the Browns, Titans, and Colts. I feel like they could win two out of the three of those games. You know what I mean? So I don't know. It it'd be close. I think. I think they end the season with with nine or ten wins, but it like Dom said, it really depends on what you know the Steelers are able to do, the Browns are able to do, you know, are the Bills able to dig themselves out of this hole that they're that they're in? Um are the Bengals able to continue to to win games? Like I think a lot of this, you know, is depending on teams continuing to be successful. So I don't know. I and, and this is we all knew going into the season that the AFC was going to be ridiculously competitive and that a team that's having a good season that in really any other year would be a playoff team is unfortunately going to miss the cut. And at this point right now, I think the Texans are close, but just on the outside looking in. But I still think the the future is very bright for this team. Yeah. I don't know. I think I think it really all just depends on if CJ Stroud can continue to play the way that he that he's been playing, and I think he'll keep them in a lot of games. It just depends on whether or not that defense can make stops at the right time. So be interesting. All right, guys. Next topic here. We'll uh we'll go ahead and talk about uh Kyler Murray's return this week. Um obviously this Cardinals team is not really where you would want it to be, but you know, with his return, what is our expectation of this? Uh Dom, we'll go ahead and start with you. The we're supposed to have expectations for this. <laughs> I mean, it, this is the worst team in football. Um, other than Marquise Brown, you know, there's really no weapons. I think James Conner may be back, but we'll see. Um, I think they're just rolling Kyler out to see what they have with him because, you know, they're going to be drafting number one or number two overall. And they need to know, hey, do we need to – move on from Kyler and trade him for whatever we can get and draft either Caleb Williams or Drake May? Or do we have our guy going forward and trade back from the from number one or number two? Um, to be honest with you, I'd probably move on anyways. I'm not I, – I really don't like Kyler Murray as a quarterback. I think he's been overrated really his whole career, and I think he should have just stuck with baseball. But I don't know. We'll see. But, I mean, he's he's coming off of an ACL injury. It's his first game back. You know, my, my expectations were low for him anyways, but I, I really don't see – I don't I really don't see him playing that well. Yeah. I don't know. I, I expect him to come out and just just take care of the ball. You know what I mean? Don't, don't turn it over. He's going to be a little rusty, so it's not like he's going to light the world on fire, but – I think the the mobility factor that we usually see him have might be a little bit down for a little bit, but I agree. I think this is not necess- they're not necessarily putting him out there to win games. They're putting him out there as a hey, look what he can still do. And I think they're going to try to get as much draft capital out of him as they can um as they are going to be sitting in a spot to where they're going to draft a new quarterback and move forward and he'll uh, find himself on a new team. So, David, what's your, uh, I guess, what's your expectations for Kyler Murray and his return this week? 
I think that he'll go out and give the best that he can with the worst options that he's got. Because I don't think, if I remember correctly, none of the good options that he had over the past years of his career are still with the team. So I think he'll go out, do the best that he can, uh, show that he can still somewhat play football to the best of of his ability and uh, try to get the best contract he can on a different team. And hopefully that team uh, forces him not to play COD. Yeah. Well, I think it, I think the game dropped this week or drops. Yeah. It dropped this week, I think. Yeah. So hopefully he's got his, uh, his game time played out so he can, uh, he can focus on, on the game this weekend, but I don't know. Wait, which game, the video game or the like football game? Um, I don't know yet. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Last topic up here, guys, there's this narrative, you know, kind of being spread around about Josh Allen and, and Dom made the comment earlier, you know, we've seen him in these moments where we're like, you're a freaking dude. Like you, we could talk about you in the light of being a, a top five quarterback in the league, but he's had a lot of moments where you're like, bro, what are you doing? Like, why are you making these decisions? Why are you turning the ball over this much? Like, what are you doing? So, you know, with that narrative, my question for you guys is, you know, thinking about all the quarterbacks in the league, you know, can we, can we still consider Josh Allen, you know, even a top 10 quarterback in the league right now, David? I think that we can because you have to understand that we had what Brett Favre retire. What was it? Like 10 years ago, roughly like 10, 15 years ago. And he's, I don't know. Somehow like, I feel like it was more than that. Cause he retired. Well, he retired what? 2013. Cause how many, how many, I don't know. And he has the most interceptions out of all quarterbacks. And we, whether you like the guy or not as a human being, that's a whole other debate as a Hall of Fame quarterback. And he's, he's thrown the most amount of interceptions out there. And so I, I'm reviewing Josh Allen as primetime Brett Favre almost where it was that gunslinging quarterback. So that's my perspective on it. Okay. All right, Dom. Um, so one, Brett Favre retired in 2010. So 13 years ago at this point. Um, but to answer your question, yes. Yes. I, I think Josh Allen's absolutely a top 10 quarterback. Um, looking at his numbers this year, he's second in the league in completion percentage, only 0.2% behind Lamar Jackson. He's fourth in terms of passing yards and he's currently in terms of passer rating he is number eight so i he he's top 10 in really every statistical category and he's really not far off there there's a lot of guys that have the same amount of interceptions that he does um you know patrick mahomes has eight josh allen has nine jalen hurts has eight you know, Tua even has seven. Mac Jones has nine. You know, like 
we're we're seeing guys that are throwing the, the same amount of interceptions that he does. No, don't put Mac James Mac Jones in the same conversation as Josh Allen. <laughs> I, I literally just have I have the stats pulled up on ESPN and I filtered by most interceptions. I know it just was like you were like odd. Oh, you were like Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes, Mac Jones. I was like, why? Well, right, hold on. <laughs> I get that, but I, I literally just have the stats. Sorted. No, I know it was just it so. was just goofy. I was like, what? The, why is he even here? Yeah, but either way, like he only has one more interception than Patrick Mahomes. Are are we really? Are we questioning if Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in football? So like, it, yes. Josh Allen's interceptions seem to come at very inopportune times, but he still plays well late in the game. He's still top 10 in every statistical category that you want to look at. You know, it, I, I, yes, he had some miscues this past week, but I don't think there's anything to say that he's not a top 10, even top five quarterback in football. Yeah. I, and here, here's the thing too, is I, I do disagree with this narrative. I do think that I think that the criticism for the turnovers is fair, right? I think you have to look at him and be like, hey, like you gotta clean that up. But I I I think not considering a top ten quarterback is is an overreaction. Um I, I did hear this comment and it was like, you know, the there's only maybe like one or two elite quarterbacks in the league, and then it kind of drops off from there. Like you, it's not necessarily that people are bad, but there's just not there. There isn't really many people in the middle of like elite and good. It's just like, Oh, we have like a couple elite quarterbacks in the league. And then everybody else is just, they're, they're just good quarterbacks. And I think that's really where we, what we have to kind of look at right now is like, I don't know if, if Josh Allen can be an elite quarterback in the league where you look at him and be like, Oh my God, you're, you know, you're one of the elite guys that we've ever seen play the position. But I do think that he can be a really, he could be a good to a really good quarterback. I think if he can get the interceptions under control, then maybe we can have that conversation about elite. But like we've talked about in the past, he's had those, he's had those moments where you look at him and you're like, holy crap, you look like one of the best quarterbacks that we've kind of ever seen with this performance. But those performances have been few and far between, and we've seen more of this consistent, you know, turnover happy kind of guy. And, and like David said, maybe we're getting back to a a gunslinger type of of league where you're seeing a lot of interceptions with the guys that we consider to be top tier talent um, at the quarterback position within the league this year. And and maybe that's this pass first heavy pass offense that we're really looking at throughout the league. And a lot of these guys are going to throw more interceptions because when you throw the ball 40 to 50 times a game, that's what happens. You put the ball in more situations to be intercepted. Um, maybe the guys on the other side of the ball are just better <laughs> than they have been, you know, the past five to, to 10 years that we've seen them. So I, I don't know. It's it's a very interesting thing. I do think the narrative is, is a little bit ridiculous. Um, but no, like, I don't know. What do, what do you guys think about that comment of like, maybe there's only like one or two elite quarterbacks and then it kind of falls off to not necessarily like great, but it kind of falls all the way down to just good, just good quarterback. I mean, what would you do? De- what would you define as elite? I mean, obviously Patrick Mahomes would be the elite of the elite quarterback, but like, 
what what do we define as elite? Because looking at all these guys' stats, you know, they're the top guys that we would all consider, you know, top ten quarterbacks in the league. They're all pretty comparable. You know, do we look well, at I just think, passer rating? Do we I look think, at QBR? Do we look I, at yeah? I think to like, your stat, do we your, look at? to your point earlier, right? Like to see things happen for um multiple years, right? I think this year is an aberration for Patrick Mahomes, right? We haven't seen him turn the ball over this much. So normally he's not there, right? So I think you could put him in, in an elite category, right? I think that Joe Burrow could be put in an elite category. Um, he doesn't really turn the ball over that much. I think really a lot of his problems this year were, were his injury, right? So when he's healthy and he's playing um, at his best, I think that we've seen enough of that to be like, you're an elite quarterback. Um, I don't think we've seen enough of Jalen Hurts. He's been kind of up and down with, you know, last year he was pretty solid and this year he's had kind of a shaky start. We've seen enough of Josh Allen to know that he just turns the ball over a lot. So can you really put him in an elite category type of quarterback? Um, like I think we can. I mean, he was he's been an, an MVP candidate for multiple years. He's uh, other than Patrick Mahomes. I mean, we, there was that legendary playoff game where you know both guys were really playing out of their minds. I, I think that was the year that if Patrick Mahomes didn't kind of get in the Bills' way, I think that there was a legit chance that they could have been a Super Bowl caliber team. But again, we've seen we've seen moments of Josh Allen doing that, right? It's we, not we've seen we've seen more than moments. I think the average to bad games with Josh Allen are the ones that have been few and far between, but really stick out in our heads. Like, yes, his rookie year was bad, but then 2019 through 2022, the last full, you know, couple full years that he's played quarterback, 20 touchdowns to nine interceptions, 37 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, 36 touchdowns, 15 interceptions, 35 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. So like it's, he's been a lot though. That's it's getting worse. Yes, it's a lot, but he's also thrown for his for his entire career, he's thrown 156 touchdowns to 69 interceptions. Yes, it's high on the interceptions, but he gives you a lot of, of passing touchdowns and he gives you a lot of rushing touchdowns too. Yeah. I listen, so I'm, like, not, it, I'm not saying that he's also not. you get to throw in my point about Brett Favre too. So no, you, right. you know, we <laughs> people consider Brett Favre, people consider Brett Favre a top 10 quarterback of all time. Some people consider him the best quarterback of all time. And he's thrown more interceptions than any quarterback in NFL history. If anybody but he's the best quarterback it, of all time, they're on cocaine. I'm but pretty like, sure that while we were in college, you considered him one of the best quarterbacks. No, no, of all no, time. no, 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 I no, just, no, 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 no. I very, very much remember no. these arguments. No, I always said that he was one of my favorite quarterbacks of all time. Now, like, obviously, that's just football play. I'm not talking about his personality and what he's done off the field after football. But, yes, while he played, I liked watching him play football. I thought when we, you know, when we were younger, it was a very different style of football than than what you really watched. I think he was not necessarily the original gunslinger, but for our for our childhood like our era of watching football like that was one of the first like you know him and Peyton you know those are kind of like a lot of the first gunslingers that we got to watch you know what I mean so I think as time progressed like we got you know a big Ben who kind of fell into that category as well too for me so like I think that 
that that's just why he was polarizing to me and, and just the way he played football and the, you know, the kind of demeanor that he had playing it and kind of being a dickhead. Like, I, I don't know. That just was it. It I gravitated towards that. So yes, like I, I did like the way that he played. He was one of, one of the guys that I liked playing, looking back at it now, you know, as, as a guy that loves to watch sports. Yeah. Of course you look at him and you're like, yeah. in in today's time, he would be like a Jameis Winston and, and he really wouldn't play that much. He'd be a backup for the Saints, right? Because of the how many interceptions that he threw. So, so you know what I mean? Like you either you way. And so far through Josh Allen's career, he has 200 total touchdowns, combining passing and rushing touchdowns to 69 interceptions. So I'll, I'll take a 200 touchdown to, to 69 turnover. Well, how how many fumbles does he have? Don't leave out the fumbles. All right, he has thir- he has thirteen fumbles in okay, six there years. You go. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, so <laughs> even then, he still has significantly more touchdowns than turnovers. Listen, I'm not I'm not saying that he's not a good. And I think he'd be even better good, if he had more than one wide receiver. If he's not a he's not a I'm not saying he's not a good to great quarterback. I just don't know. I just don't I I just don't know if I would put him in the elite category right now with some of the guys that are there. I do think that he's close, but I just think that I've. I've seen him be very turnover happy and I've seen that really affect the way that they're able to win some of these games. Like if, if he, if he is more clean with the ball, then I think that, that, that they do win some of these games. And I agree that that game between him and Patrick Mahomes, like the way that they played that game, I thought that that was what we were going to get year in and year out for the next 10 to 15 years. I was like, this is the next, you know, Brady, Manning, you know, Brady, Roethlisberger type games that we're going to get in the playoffs. Like we got a lot of those between those three guys. Like, and I just feel like it hasn't, it's, we really haven't gotten that again. And, and I think that's a lot to do with him not being able to put his team in, in the position to really be there or be that successful because of the way he's turning over the ball. So, um, and in the, I, I don't know, but like you guys said, you you think that he's an elite quarterback, and that's fine. I don't think he's far off, and maybe a lot of people will agree with you guys. But I don't know. I think I think he has to clean up those interceptions. And and like you guys made that comment, you 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 have to see something for multiple years in a row. And if we've seen for multiple years in a row that that he, especially the past you know two years before this and now this season, you look at all these turnovers like. There's a pattern here, and it keeps increasing every single season that he plays. So who knows how many ter- interceptions he's going to have this year if he already has nine on the season, and we're only halfway through. So does he get to 18 or 20 interceptions on the season? And then what is the conversation then about him? You know what I mean? I don't know. Um, Let's bust out these uh projections real quick, guys, and then we'll get off here. Quarter four projection time. David. Texans, Bengals. Bengals, easy. Bengals, easy. Okay, Dom? I agree. Bengals take this one. I don't know if it's going to be easy, but I think they take it. I I, I want this to be more of a back-and-forth battle. I kind of want to see... Uh, I want to see the quarterbacks on display in this one. Um, I don't know if we'll get that, but I do want to see... CJ Stroud versus Joe Burrow. That's why I put this up here. I think it'll be a fun game to watch. So, um, Lions Chargers, Dom. No, oh, I got it. Until proven otherwise, I got to go with the bite and kneecap. 
<laughs> team up there in Detroit. <laughs> yeah, I'm not... I think I think this is one of the best teams in the in the NFC. Yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not putting any money on the Chargers. They just disappoint me time and time out. I'm going to say the Lions win this one. David? Same Lions. Okay, there you go. Let's move into uh, college football now. This is probably the biggest game of the week. Um, Michigan-Penn State. David? You know what? I'll go out on a limb on this one. I'm going to say Penn State. Okay, interesting, interesting. I don't know if I can agree with you only because I feel like the Michigan locker room is very much this Michigan versus the world mentality with everything that's going on. And I just, I feel like Penn state, it'll be a competitive game. That's what I'm going to say. But I think Michigan squeaks it out just like Ohio state does. And, and this is this big 10 conference is really going to come down to Michigan versus Ohio state. The last week of the, of the season. Dom. I'm taking Penn state in this one. I think there's, this is the first time that Michigan's going to be playing a a ranked team all year. There's, a lot of uh, off-field drama going on with Michigan right now, as we all know. And uh, the line is – the betting lines have shifted heavily in Penn State's favor. And I think Vegas always knows something. They always know something that we don't know. And there's a reason why they're all picking Penn State to win this game. I I think Penn State takes a a close one. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think it'll be close, but I'm picking Penn State. Okay. You know what? I I would love it to happen. I, I definitely would love it to happen. So, um, Oregon USC Dom does you know I I think USC loses a another close one, um. But what's your thoughts on this one? I don't think it's going to be close. I think Oregon takes this one pretty easily. Okay, you think that Oregon is able to handle USC better than what Washington did? Um, yes, only because I think this this USC team is just so beaten down. And I think they had such high hopes for this year, and now they have three losses, going to be four. Um, going to be four. <laughs> going to be four. I, I, think, I think we'll see Caleb Williams crying uh, on the sidelines again after this game, and I think Oregon takes this one. And at this point, knowing Caleb Williams and his attitude, he'll probably just sit out the rest of the season. All right, interesting. David, Oregon, uh, USC. I guess I'll be drinking from the river of Caleb Williams tears. Because I'm going to go... Uh, I would suggest drinking that there, but... <laughs> yeah, it might be salty, so... I feel like that's the least of your worries. <laughs> Don't drink another man's tears, David. That's gross. <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> Still, Oregon. All right. Uh, last up here, David, Utah, Washington. That might be tough, but I'm going to go Washington. Okay. I agree. I think Washington wins this game. Um, but I don't know if it's going to be like crazy close, but I do think it'll be at least competitive for the majority of the game. And But I do think Washington comes out with the win. Dom? I think Washington takes this one. I think it's going to be close because Utah always plays hard. But I think Washington's just a better team, and I think they'll take this one. Yeah. Let me ask you guys this real quick. Do you think – do you think those who run the Pac-12 regret not doing more to try to keep this conference together with how successful they've been this year? Like, um, I know Colorado has had its ups and downs, but the I think we can all agree the outlook for that program looks a lot better than than what it had been. So, you know, 
three or four years down the road, if if all these programs stay in this upward trajectory, like you could have had a conference that had four or five solid solid teams every single year that that could be playing each other. So, you know, like what do you guys think that they regret not trying to do more to keep all these guys in here? Oh, absolutely. I mean, look at how how solid the conference is, and. You know, going forward, I think these teams aren't going to go anywhere. You know, I, I really think that the Pac-12, whoever leads the Pac-12, um, really should be ashamed of themselves because now we're losing, you know, one of the most historic conferences in well, they're, they're already in college leaving. athletics. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're already leaving. I mean, we're getting we're getting three of them. So, I mean, it's... Yeah, I know. Like, well, like yeah. I said, we're losing one of the, the most historic conferences in college athletics. Yeah. And at, at a point where looking at how it's going this year, this is probably the strongest that we've seen the Pac-12 in years, mm-hmm. if, if not decades. There we go, guys. Thank you for listening to a, another episode of Two Minute Drill presented by Deep Dive Sports. And uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of Two Minute Drill. And make sure to follow the show on Instagram at Two Minute Drill Podcast, D-D-S. Don't forget to follow deep.dive.sports on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can listen to all of our shows wherever you get your podcasts. Also, comment on all our posts and episodes. We would love to hear what you think about the show and what we talk about each week. And as always, Two Minute Drill listeners, until next time.